What's your instructional coaching personality type? Have you ever wondered what superpowers make you a really strong coach and what areas you could strengthen a little with a little direction? Well, now you can find out. I created the What's Your Instructional Coaching Personality Type quiz to help you answer this very question. Just head to buzzingwithmissb.com slash quiz with a capital Q to take the two-minute quiz and get your coaching personality type sent right to your inbox. Even better, you'll get a playlist of podcast episodes that are handpicked just for you to help you hone your superpowers and strengthen your areas of growth. I'm so excited to share this quiz with you, so don't wait. Go to buzzingwithmissb.com slash quiz with a capital Q and learn so much about your coaching self. Hey coach, are you new to coaching? Starting out as a coach can be incredibly overwhelming, especially when you aren't given much direction from your administration. That's why I created the new coaches playbook. It includes a roadmap to help you start building your coaching foundation and a guide to seven podcast episodes in order that will give you the steps and ideas you need to build relationships, define your role, communicate with your admin and make a plan to start coaching. Grab it today for free at buzzingwithmissb.com slash new coach and save yourself so much time and stress. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey, coach, and welcome to episode 158, Building Teacher Leaders for Change with Milniqua Holloway. This month, we're looking at how we can move our schools with a school-wide approach to learning and support. We've talked about how to establish a coaching culture, even when admin isn't supportive, in episode 157. Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is building teacher leaders for change. It's absolutely impossible to do all the things as a coach. And on top of that, it's not really the best idea anyway. If all the learning and modeling comes from us, teachers don't ever take on leadership roles or learn from each other. To build a true PLC, we really want to have teachers grow together and collaborate. And one of the best ways to do this is to lift people up who have something to share. Today, I'm chatting with my guest, Melniqua Holloway, about how to do this in our schools. So welcome to the podcast. Hi. Well, thank you for the invitation. <laughs> Can you introduce yourself to our listeners and talk a little bit about who you are, how you ended up here, and what kind of work you focus on? Absolutely. So my name is Melniqua Holloway. Um, they call me Mel in this part of Middle Tennessee. Um, I've been teaching. This is my 20th year in the classroom. Um, I still consider myself a teacher, but I've been an instructional coach uh, for about four years. I focus on uh, mathematics. So I'm a three, five coach, instructional coach, and my focus is math. So most of my time is spent with math. There are a total of four of us and two of us spend time with math and two of us spend time with um, ELA. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So the topic we're talking about today is teacher leaders. And Mm -hmm. I would love if you could kind of share with us what a true teacher leader is. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I love that question, Um, especially the adjective true, because you can have a title and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a teacher leader. You can. um, I've been in the classrooms enough to know and in enough PLCs to know the work of a teacher leader requires so much more than the title, you know, and I think sometimes 
um, just by default, um, many times administrators choose people because they've been there a long time, because they've um, had an opportunity to do some some work, but maybe not all the work. So what I would consider a teacher leader is someone who is builds trust and safety in their teachers. They spend a lot of their time building and learn building on what it takes to be uh, seen, but not necessarily heard. Like spending this time of, let's see, how do I want to say this? Being emotionally safe is very important for teachers. Psychologically safe is being important for teachers. So building that is very important as a teacher leader. Mm-hmm. I'd also say vulnerability because trust comes before vulnerability. I know a lot of times we say, uh, you know, we, we want you to be vulnerable. We want you to be vulnerable. But a lot of times people aren't vulnerable unless they can trust you. Mm-hmm. And so the teacher leader is the person that you think about if I have a problem who can I go and talk to? And you can be truly vulnerable with them and show them the very depths of who you are and know that the judgment won't be there. And they'll also follow it up with feedback that will um, help you and lead you in the right direction. And the last one is purpose. They're there for a purpose. They're there to look at all the things that the other members of the team didn't look at. They're there that take, they take time to look at data. They take time to study kids. They take time to learn their team. They take a lot of time that other people don't necessarily, they don't see that. And I think, and I don't think they take it for granted. They just don't see it. And I sometimes teachers, I believe leaders are born. I, I believe leaders are built, not born. You build leaders. And I think it's taking that personal time to develop yourself um, so that the purpose comes forth as you lead a team. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Because we can all grow in these areas and some of us may have strengths in some places and blind spots in others. We all do. And we have to get better in all of these areas in order to really lead teachers from that same position. Because when you're leading as a teacher, you are... um, you don't have the authority that like an administrator does. You don't have that power or anything like that. You are leading sort of um, organically. Exactly. So this year I had a team that there was no, no one. There was We had a brand new team. No one was there from the prior year. And my first goal was to build a leader. <clears throat> this leader had not even been in our school. They had not even taught math. They were in another school, another district, another subject. And so mm-hmm. my first objective was to start to pour into them. Like I started doing what I wanted her to do. I built, my goal was to build um, some safety there. I had meetings with her. Um, We talked about things other than school. Like, how are you? How are your family? How are your children? What can I do to help you from a personal level? Um, And then we started to build the trust. So now she'll email me and say, hey, Monique, I need to talk to you. Can you, can we talk? And it can be about anything, but that eventually rolls into the learning of the kids, because ultimately that's what we want to see is kids learning, mm-hmm. kids learning. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. So if we have somebody who is a teacher leader mm-hmm. and we are trying to put them in sort of a facilitator role or how can they support collaboration and true PLCs? Um, how can they actually take the lead in those situations? Um, again, I think personal development, you have to personally um, endeavor to do better uh, as a person individually, because I don't think you can lead without being in front. Now, I do believe that you can lead from the back, you can lead from the middle, 
and I can believe you can lead from the front. But I think as you're learning how to collaborate, your teachers have, you have to be an exemplar of what you want teachers to do. You have to be an example. You have to model that. And I also think you need to some research to back what you're saying. I'm not saying you lead with research, but I think you need the best practices for leadership, um, the best practices for collaboration, um, the best practice for collective efficacy that you can get so that you're doing the work of the PLC. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, as teachers, we are the PLC. It's not a meeting that we go to. It's not this um, planning session. We are the professionals doing the work uh, within a community. And if we're not learning, then we're not PLC. So I think as we move forward, as, as teachers are moving forward in this teacher leader, I think first and foremost, you're spending that time learning and developing yourself as a leader and telling and being transparent about all the mistakes you make in the process. Because I've learned you make a lot of mistakes. That's right. (laughs) You make a lot of mistakes and being vulnerable enough to say, hey, guys, Mm -hmm. I messed this one up. Will you please help me? Show me what I did wrong. Show me. And um, and I think that collective efficacy comes when or that collaboration comes when you can have those you know what you're where you're going, but you're carving at the path together. Mm-hmm. And that collaboration process um, is more than one person. It's a group of us learning and making mistakes. And I'm currently in school working on um, um, another degree, but my um, professor talks a lot about tinkering, tinkering with and taking risks, tinkering with the um, conversations. Maybe we should lead this conversation this way. Maybe we should ask questions this way. Maybe we should listen for feedback this way. But you're tinkering and taking risk in this collaborative process so that you can, again, go back to the learning of the kids because that's what the, what is it? The three big ideas behind PLC is the first one is learning, our kids learning. So yeah, that collaboration piece is probably one of the, and actually the second part of that is collaboration. Mm -hmm. You know, it's learning and then collaborating and learning how to be vulnerable. I read this amazing book by Daniel Coyle called The Culture Code. And um, he talks a lot about um, MBA and and one of the things he talks about, and I'm an MBA, I'm not an MBA mom, but my son is a basketball, I'm a basketball mom. And he talks about um, one game he played and in this game, they were expected to win And they lost Mm -hmm. and he still took the team out and they were crying and upset. Um, And when he got, when they got to the hotel, he knew exactly the food that they liked, the drinks that they liked. And he said he built that on learning who they are. He visited, visited their families prior to practices. He went to their different countries. He tried their food. We have to do the same thing as teachers. We have to spend that time getting to know each other individually. So the collaboration comes with ease, easier than it typically would. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that sincerity and that personal level of understanding each other is important. And sometimes in school, we're not doing a really good job of giving people time to get to know each other. Right. Um, I remember once I was sitting with an administrator and the administrator who usually was great, but for some reason, I don't know, off day maybe, she said, you know, I went into this classroom 
or, and and it's so and so was like it was like fourth grade's PE time, you know, their prep time, mm-hmm. and they're all just sitting there laughing and what. But then they complain that they don't have enough time to do the work, and I was like, well, it is normal to <laughs> laugh with your colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> that is right. a good thing, right? Like yeah. we want them to in, in, engage. And and then I said, yeah, I want the, she asked, said, how is it going with this one grade level? I said, you know, they respond really well to humor. So I just try to build that in. And she goes, oh, I'm sorry that you have to do that. Oh. Like, it's, it's normal to, you know, want to have a good time with the people that you're working with. Yeah. That's, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I worked at a school. We didn't have that. Like, it was much more business mm. and the relationships weren't there. So I came to this new school and everyone was eating lunch together. And I'm yeah. like, hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Like it was so foreign to me. But everyone else in my old school stayed in their rooms, ate lunch wow. by themselves. Um, and it just showed me how important it is to have that collaborative mm. culture. Um, yeah, it was key to the success of this school. Mm-hmm. And it takes time for that to happen. Yes. It takes time for teams to come together and get to know each other. And some teams need some help along the way because it doesn't happen organically in those cases. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's like that's a really good um, point. Is that our teacher leaders have to put them in self, themselves in a place where they're going to value other teachers mm-hmm. as people, and they're going to communicate with them as people, um, exactly. and not just the people, the little like robots that are doing their jobs. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I read something by, uh, I think his name is Kofi Lomote, and he talks about this um, theory behind this called ethohumanism. And basically he's saying, we have to commit to getting to know people. Like mm-hmm. that is what our job is to get to know you, spend some time. I actually was in a meeting with Dr. Um, Heather Dillard. She worked with um, Bob Aker and did some work with him. She's in this middle Tennessee area and she was prompting our our instructional team, our instructional PLC. We're growing as, and we've been together four years, but we're growing as a team. And she was like, if it's not interpersonal, if you're not taking time to learn and know the people, what you're doing is it will never last. And I thought, wow, that's powerful. Cause I never, I didn't know how much, how important that was until within, Mm -hmm. except for the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. What an interesting thing to think about. Um, so then as we're trying to support our teachers and taking leadership positions and in stepping to, like you say, sometimes leading from the front, especially at the beginning, we have to start out being that model. How can we set teachers up for success in those areas? Because you have some who are more reluctant, some mm-hmm. who are more naturally ready to go. What does it look like to prepare teachers for this? Um, one of the things we do here is um, we have, especially for our new teachers, I'm going to speak specifically for new teachers um, and, and it's going to relate to our um Um, our teacher leaders, is providing opportunities for them to get the resources. Hmm. So our new teachers, we do something called um, uh, Little Hawk 101, where we're like introducing all the things, you know, you know, all these um, things about our culture that are very out and open and also the silent things in our culture that no one really tells you, like you've got to walk around during this period of the day. Um, and so teacher leaders have to prepare, provide resources prior to school starting to help um, all teachers, um, making sure that they have, making sure the administration and the coaches have to make sure that the um, team leads and the PLC leads have the resources. Um, I think I'm learning that 
we just assume sometimes that they know and they don't know. Mm -hmm. And it has to be very clear and specific. And if it's not clear and specific and simple, it needs to have some simplicity to it. Um, Then if you don't do that, we can become upset, but it's our responsibility to make sure that those it's simple and clear. Um, I'm working with a a principal at another school in our district and we're in TCAP testing. Like we're in the middle of state testing and um, she sent an email out to her teams and and to our teacher leaders and to our teams that here's something that I want you to do as it relates to TCAP. Well, she gets all these in, all this information, like all these emails. And she was like, but I told you exactly what to do. She said, well, I'm not upset now. She said, I realized it was not clear. It was not explicit and it wasn't simple. And so she's having to go back and, you know, fix that for next year. But I think we as leaders have to make sure that these things are clear and you have to practice it. You have to have time to practice what you're expecting teachers to do, giving them opportunities. Mm -hmm. So teacher leaders have to put in a little front work, put in a little front load, a little bit of this so that they understand so that you can provide enough examples and enough um, exemplars for teachers so that they can be prepared for the role or whatever your thing you know I think that's so interesting like you're talking about onboarding and Mm -hmm. and setting people up explicitly instead of sometimes it's kind of an afterthought oh we want you to um lead this session or facilitate this this planning meeting and it's like um people are thrown in and they haven't been given the tools, but if we had, like you talked about having a new teacher orientation, basically an onboarding process, if we had like, you know, leadership workshops at school where people are explicitly taught, this is how you can do it. This is how people take the lead from this position. This is what the process looks like whenever you're planning together. This is a protocol that we're going to use. I think, yeah, preparing people explicitly is a great way to go about that instead of just kind of, um, hoping that (laughs) they can naturally take the lead, which most of the time it does not work. (laughs) Yeah. Most of the time. And then frustration sets in. Right. And then, you know, we're into October and November and there's these little um, offenses that start to start to arise, but you didn't know you didn't prepare them for the role. So you can't be upset, but Mm -hmm. you know, you did not give them enough to, to be successful and you want to set them up where they're successful. Yeah. yeah, even in terms of interpersonal training and how do how do you deal with conflict in your mm-hmm. team? How do you respond if you know somebody is outright saying rude things during? What, what do you do? Like we right. they need to know what role they play in that because it, they they will immediately turn to the higher like um you know bureaucratically you know mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, person they will look to at some authority to respond to it and they need to know what is within their purview that right. they can actually respond to. I would even go as far as to say you need a common, um, this may be a little bit over the top, but even a common vocabulary or dictionary of when you're coming here at this school, this is what we believe. Here's what we say. This is because, you know, um, yeah, I do. I believe you can go as far as making these things so simplistic that it makes it easy for teachers to help with kids, students learning. 
Mm-hmm. It gives a structure within that they can use that to support each other instead of being like, okay, how do I approach this? I do like that. And I, I think common language is super important. And I don't think it's something we talk about enough when it comes to professionals, because we all, there are so many frames of reference. Everybody has had a different experience. People have come from different environments or from different um, teaching backgrounds or different programs or different ways that they ended up in the classroom. People who have taught under different models. We are all speaking a different language. Right. It was such a challenge. It was one of my biggest challenges as a new coach was to realize, wow, we are maybe eight miles apart. (laughs) we are like worlds apart from my old school that I used to teach at. (laughs) Yeah. And you can be in the same building, sometimes in the same room. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you have these heated conversations about something that's exactly the same, or um, you have these different departments within the school that have Mm -hmm. different languages and one current one student is being served by multiple people. Right. They don't have this common thread or this common conversation, common communication, um, and so we end up kind of going around the mulberry bush a little bit. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Spinning our wheels. Yeah. So what are some ways that teachers can step into a leadership role that actually work? Um, like, yeah. you know, we talked a little bit about facilitating PLCs, like sessions and things like that. So what, what can they actually do? Yeah, I, um, what we, what I recommend is that you start spending time with the leaders, spending some time with the leaders, knowing what they do, how they do it, almost somewhat like a um, mentoring or a mentoring type program where you're being trained as the next leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important. I think, unfortunately, um, I think sometimes certain roles are associated with moving up the ladder, but I think it requires a little bit more than that. I think you have to know, you have to look at the intricate details of what a leader is, Um and so I remember, I remember I stayed at my school, my first school so long, my principal like literally kicked me out and was like, no, Nikwa, you've got to go. You cannot stay here because it was comfortable uh-huh. and I had to take a risk. And she was like, and I didn't know what my future held, but she was like, I need you to go. So I think taking risk that you typically wouldn't take, mm-hmm. being willing to show the amazingness in your room, the thing that you don't think that everyone says oh my gosh, Christy, that was amazing. You know, people need to know how you made that amazing. How did you change that lesson? I think it's really key in these um, PLCs when we discuss in our PLCs and we're listening to the strategies that we're hearing, see what trends and patterns we see within each teacher in that team and begin to learn from those particular trends that you see. And I think that's... um, one of the ways you can get into these leadership roles. I mm-hmm. think reading about leaders is amazing. Um, I You learn a lot from what they've done, how they've done it, when they've done it, the mistakes that they've made. So yeah, I believe um, that's one way to get into a leadership role. Yeah, some ways. How, once teachers are like kind of established more as a leader on their campus, what kinds of things might they be doing? Oh, yeah. Um, Looking at data, that's Mm -hmm. a really understanding data, not from, you know, that large summative assessment, but understanding how formative assessments or what these formative assessments are telling you and then how to find those trends and patterns again, how to find those trends and patterns. So that's one Mm -hmm. you're going to be doing. Um, um, How would you say it? Uh, You are 
facilitating conversations amongst your team members. I had an opportunity. This was, it was a teaching, a teachable moment, but I had a friend recently that says, I don't have anything to say. And I was like, you have something to say. And so I started probing. I'm like, okay, so what did you hear? So what did you see? So what did you feel like? I started asking these probing questions Mm -hmm. to see, to get that out of them. That's one thing. You're working very closely with your administrators. If you're a coach, you're working, you are the liaison between, (laughs) you're, you're going to know a lot of information. You're going to be the person between your teachers, between the teachers and the coaches. And you have to learn how to steward that information with care. But also you have to be on board with what your leaders agree with. Even if you don't always agree, you have to agree. You know, you even when you and if you if you cannot agree, then maybe you should look at other things. But you have to be on board 100 percent. You were talking about interpersonal relationships. Here at our school, we had a a coach to come in to specifically focus on that. And um, my principal walked out of the room one day and she had a goal. And I'm like, okay, so how realistic is this, the goal that she had? She said, well, if you're not on board, then it's not realistic to you. So you have to be on board with the vision and the mission of the school that you're in. And we're not always going to agree with everything people say, but you do have to say, this is the mission and vision that I'm willing to go after. Um, And that's, you know, that's on the administrative side. On the teacher side, you know, there's some, you're going to have to learn not how to not tell everything. You have to learn how to give them information that uh, is wise, but aligns with the mission and vision of the school. Um, And then if you're in a school like me, you have responsibilities. I have title responsibilities. I have, you know, um, I have coaching responsibilities, title responsibilities. I have um, all the other things that come on all, a lot of the other things to help my principals. I'm like the arm, I'm like the shoulder, I'm there to help them. And so that is what you should expect in this position. You are there to do walkthroughs and talk to your teachers and consults and coaching cycles. But there's also another side of it, which goes back to that relationship, learning the people, and then learning how to use this data and teaching them to look at each kid. And there's a lot of little nuances to this um, coaching. I really love what I do. Um, This is a sweet spot for me. I I really enjoy it. Um, But I've also recently heard of some coaches deciding that this isn't. They would rather be in the classroom, back to the Mm -hmm. classroom. So I think it's important that you know what you want to do, but you also um, are willing to support what's in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah but that vision that you mentioned is really important. And I really love the way you talked about highlighting what's happening in classrooms. I think that's something that as coaches, we can build our teacher leaders by getting other people in those rooms and like making sure that we're creating this collaboration that is that is authentic because teachers don't get to see each other teach enough, not near enough. And if we can get teachers into other classrooms and we can really support, like, let's say we're moving into some new learning and we're having some resistance with that because teachers are struggling to envision how it would work. Getting Mm -hmm. them to visit a colleague is priceless. It is massively beneficial to the colleague that is being visited as well as the one who's visiting Right. You're, you're supporting the growth of that leader. You're saying this person has tried these things out and they have found some ways to make them work and let's go visit and see. And I think that that is such a great um, thing to consider. You talked about like, hey, I'm doing this really cool thing and other people don't necessarily 
think like you think it's normal. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks everybody else does what they do, right? But then mm-hmm. other people see you do it and they're like, what is that? That is wild. Why have you never told me about this? Well, I thought it was standard, pretty standard stuff. So we mm-hmm. what if we can get build our teacher leaders by getting other teachers into those classrooms and putting them in that position of of like instructional authority, you know, that's an amazing. So good. I love that word. Yeah. Um, We, so our um, district leaders provide um, this framework where teachers get amongst their colleagues and teach um, in front of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, it is scary. (laughs) It is very scary, but there were some teachers. We, we asked that all of our teachers in our building to do this, learn from this Mm -hmm. and to watch the growth from day one, even though the nerves were there and the emotions were there and to see how much they've grown, uh, how much their kids have grown, how much learning has occurred is amazing. It's fantastic. You're right. Getting in there and seeing it at work is so key to, to growth. It is. And you know, I remember as you were saying that it flashed me back when I was a new teacher, we used to have what we called behind the glass. Because there was a special portable building that they had installed with that, is it two-way glass or whatever, where you can see through one way, but oh, they, they can't cool. see out. Yeah, yeah, it was like fancy. Like they, <laughs> that was there before I got there. And um, so we did have to take turns going behind the glass. And that's what they called it, behind the glass. It was a big deal. <laughs> and uh, that's the way that it was done whenever I was a new teacher. And mostly you would just take a small group in there because that's pretty much who would fit in the space. Cause it was a portable cut in half, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we'd come, it was pretty cool. Then we'd come out and they'd give us feedback. You know, the te- other co- colleagues would have listened to us do our lesson and watched and would give us notes. And um, it was very interesting. And then as a coach, I spent, we didn't have behind the glass and that was fine because I think getting teachers into their colleagues' classrooms was a really great way to go. They could actually see it in the natural habitat, you know, yeah, right. um, <laughs> this is where it really happens. <laughs> and those teachers did become like their colleagues learned that they could go to them and ask the questions. Yeah. Like you mm-hmm. said, if they're, if you're somebody who other people go to you and say, Hey, I'm having trouble with this. You know, if you can open your door and support other teachers, then you are becoming a teacher leader. And coaches can can really leverage those teacher leaders to mm-hmm. make great things happen on their campuses. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I do have one question. And you, you were mentioning it earlier, talking about like really setting people up for success um, and kind of doing like an onboarding or like specific training, helping them really learn what leadership looks like. And I'm I'm envisioning how at some schools certain people are chosen to do this and kind of to advance and other teachers are like, well, they're a favorite. That's because she's her favorite. Mm-hmm. Do you, how do you think we should address this issue or do we even try to address it? Do we like not even worry about it? Cause it's not, I mean, it's kind of childish or, you know, what, <laughs> what are you, what are your thoughts on that? So I do think um, that is king. And I think the people that have the data that doesn't have to be quantitative data, it can be the quality of their instruction is, you know, how you choose those individuals. Um, and and I do think they have an option in and out. I don't think you should force anyone to yeah. do that. But I do think there is something to celebrating the successes in your building. So when it comes to favorites, there are, I think there are, there are schools and I think there are individuals who may feel that they are favorites. But I think you have to go back to your mission, vision and mission and vision of your school and say, 
you know, and, and here's the thing. She may be a favorite because she's doing the work. Like, I don't right. want to not. <laughs> I know. I, I know. What you, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's not favorite as much as, oh, thank goodness. I don't have to worry too much about this. One. <laughs> exactly. Like she's doing all the things. I don't yes. have to do anything. Right. Um, and so I think sometimes perspective is real key as well, mm-hmm. because, you know, we don't, you don't see that this person, you know, can, has, taking the initiative to do some things that I may not be willing to do. So I do think favorites are there. I think you have to look at that and say, why are they a favorite? Mm -hmm. Does it? I mean, and then I think we have to shift our mindset on favorites. Is that because they're there, but I think you should shift it. Are they problem solving? You know, is the reason that they're in this position, are they problem solving? Are they getting us to a quicker solution? Um, you know, are they allowing for, um, you know, I don't even know, but I think we should step away from that favorites and kind of look at it from a big picture. Like, why are they here? Now, if they're not there, I think you have to put on our big girl pants or big guy pants and say, hey, listen, I think that's where that collaborative collaborative conversations happen. And those, um, I love the saying, um, strip rank and tell hard truths. Strip your rank and sit down and say, hey, listen, this is annoying me. This is not productive. It's not showing us, giving us the results that we need. And so let's have a hard conversation and let's talk about this. Um, Yeah, I believe that's how we get to that underlying um, issues of favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to have a principal and say, we're going to have a tough conversation. We're going to have a lot of tough conversations this year. And I don't know if he ever actually did that. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't do it with me, but uh, maybe he did it with some other people. But um, but sometimes, yeah, you do have to say, hey, so I hear that there's some concern about this issue. Can we talk about that? And just kind of exactly. see what direction it goes. Yeah, exactly. if, if they're because that kind of that can become toxic and it can become, you know, hateful and it can undermine, yeah. you know, what you're trying to mm-hmm. do with school. So totally bring it to the forefront. Yeah. And I say, don't wait. I think you have to take that personal. You have to take it on personally. You can't say, Chrissy, you know, I need you to uh, come with me and do, no, you take it on personally. You go ahead and address it while it's early, as early as you can. And then Mm -hmm. you move forward. You leave that behind you and you keep moving forward. You know? Yeah. Yep. You do what you can and then move yeah. on because if, if teachers are getting really caught up in, well, I don't want them to think I'm this and I don't want mm-hmm. them to think I'm that, you know what, in 10 years, you're probably not even going to work with these people, <laughs> but you are going to be the teacher you are building every single day. Right. You want to be a teacher leader if you want to, or if you, and if you want to be a teacher leader and you never want to leave the classroom and you want to lead from the classroom forever. Perfect. Yes. If you want to become a teacher leader and you want to be a coach, great. But you can't do that if you're so worried about everybody else thinking that you're a favorite. I mean, right, come on, we're right. not seven years old, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that is so right. You know, we I, I I haven't heard that in a while, but I do see and hear like, well, why do they get to do it again? Yes. Well, why do they get they to do always it pick well, them? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, well, did you see what they stayed after school for three hours? You know, so yeah. 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 Or I used to kill me when things would be like open invitation. Like we would love teachers to join us on this committee. We're going to talk about management and create a plan for next year. Okay. And the same three people show up and then everybody's like, well, they're the ones who decided this dude, the door was open. The door was open and you did not walk through. I don't know what to tell you. So true. So true. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so that there are human issues that we're always going to deal with, but if we right. stay focused on our mission, if we stay focused on our goal, then we can work through all that stuff and just 
take it with a grain of salt and understand that some people, that's how they operate. And that comes from a place that is often not about the person who's the favorite or, you know, whatever favored. It comes from, you know, self-esteem or, you know, dissatisfaction with their life or something that's not always right in their world. So sometimes we have to take it with a grain of salt and do your best to address it, but you can't, uh, you can't change. People choose how they're going to show up and people have issues sometimes that are really hard to address and it affects their school life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. You're right. Um, I was thinking about, you know, when we, we have to learn to be nice humans and kind humans and give people grace. Cause I do mm-hmm. think that is important as well. And, um, and then once we give them that grace and we try to understand it, and I do think if it's a major problem, I do think there it is times when that conversation needs to happen. So I think just being gracious, being, um, being kind is really key to understanding because as a teacher leader, you, you're managing people and not just these humans, but their emotions to a degree, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's not the same, you know, I'm teaching my 13 year old son that like everyone is not the same. Everyone didn't handle every situation the same and learning to manage that is, is an art. It, it takes time mm-hmm. to learn that, you know, mm-hmm. it absolutely does. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on this topic today. I've really appreciated everything that you've shared. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was yeah. a pleasure. Well, now I get to ask before you go, my favorite question, which is what is your favorite thing right now? And it's just a fun question. It can be anything that you're loving. It could be a book, an activity, you know, a product, anything that you're really enjoying right now. So I'm in school. Like, as I said, I'm at Middle mm-hmm. Tennessee State University. So currently all my books are centered around <laughs> education. Yes. However, I am a basketball mom and my son is an elite basketball player and uh, I'm bragging on him a little bit. He's an elite player. And so we travel, we get to travel a lot with him. So that's one of my favorite things Then I have a, uh, a six-year-old daughter and she had her first belt test in Taekwondo. Oh, neat. I'm also a Taekwondo mommy (laughs) and I am learning. And so to watch her is, um, very exciting right now. It's, um, one of those things I didn't know what she would do, but she's learning to enjoy that. So, um, those are my favorite things. Just those quiet times. We have a new puppy. We have all these new things. We have a new puppy named, um, Mamba, and he's like a puppy puppy, like five-month-old puppy. So I know. So right now we are training. We're training puppies and learning about my kids, uh, what they enjoy in life. Yeah. I love that. That's so exciting. Yeah, you're taking me back. My brother, he's now a high school baseball coach, but when he was younger, he was on competitive baseball teams and we used to travel. Like we didn't even go on family vacations because after the travel for baseball, that was all the time yeah. we had, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, That's yeah. the story of our lives. I'm like, okay, my husband's going to keep like Dallas and even we're in Ohio and so all the things that's our vacation but yep it's only in it a little while longer so I'm gonna that's stick right. in there <laughs> that's right my mother said that her philosophy was to spend as much time with them as possible so that way when it was time for them to leave she was ready <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm right with you we're like in middle yeah. school and all the things yeah. I'm like eh. so. <laughs> exactly so where can people find you online if they want to learn more from you sure um, I'm, I'm at, at an I'm Instagram and IG I'm Melanie Holloway and if you're at Twitter, I'm on Melniqua H and they can find me there. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. That was some good stuff from Melniqua Holloway. I, I really liked the idea of supporting your teacher leaders and helping teachers grow in that area 
it's it's important for us to remember that they have to deal with the human side of coaching, <laughs> which we are sadly very familiar with. Um, and they are dealing with a lot of different personalities and their role can be really challenging, whether they are facilitating PLCs or serving as a model during lesson uh, PDs or having people in their classrooms. All of those things come with, you know, dealing with people as teachers as humans. So I like that focus on supporting our teacher leaders in those areas. Next week in episode 159, we're going to look at how we can support big changes to the way that our schools work. So no matter what moves you're supporting teachers in, this episode is going to give you some strategies you can use to help them embrace new learning and actually implement those ideas in their classrooms. So I am really excited to share that with you. It's some really good stuff that I've gotten a lot of good feedback on. And until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.